0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
1: Welcome everybody to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thank you so much again for joining us this week. My name is Dan Connick. With me today are my partners, as always, every single time. It's Matt Fralick and Janelle Mackey. Guys, how the heck are you doing?
2: Well, we're coming off of week two against two divisional rivals, so... 2-0, Two and zero, nothing to really complain about here.
0: It's going good, man. It's nice, nice to be two and zero. I think I don't think when we did our predictions with back in early August, you guys. I know I had them. I think going one and one. I don't believe we all am going two and zero. I could be wrong, but uh, I, it's nice to be proven wrong.
1: Yeah, I think when we we broke down the first quarter of the schedule in the preseason, and I think we had us conservatively going about two and two. Or three and one out of this rough patch. And I, a lot. What I heard a lot of people. I got a chance to go to the game today, and the sentiment that was coming out of a lot of people as we were leaving was that we very easily could have been zero and two at this point, or even just one and one. And to to come into week three now with two divisional wins uh, is is massive. Um, and so we are already looking ahead to next week. Or this coming week against the Broncos, want to look at some of the major storylines going into it. We're we're actually getting to record this on uh, Sunday, so a lot of things. The game is still very fresh, and even fresher is the end of the Broncos game, which ended unfortunately. You guys saw that 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 was a real heartbreaker way for the Broncos to lose that game. You got to feel bad for those guys.
0: It's wild, just crazy. Like I, I don't know. It just, I actually didn't. I, I was watching the the um, the Rams Saints game for some reason. I had left that on. I'm like, oh, I should watch the Broncos game. So I, saw I was getting close, and like, I didn't even realize they had a, uh, the Bears had a timeout. So like, when he got down, I'm like, well, that didn't make any sense. And I, I don't know why they didn't try to get in the middle of the field before that. But Eddie Pinero, like, there's going to be a few kids in the next nine months with the last or the first name Eddie or even Pinero at this point. <laughs> A kid can kick. Um,
1: so, yeah, the kid. well, hey, I mean, I guess that solves the one thing the Bears were trying to figure out how to do from last season, right? Yeah. Um, so let's look at that Broncos team then. They're coming into the game this week 0-2, so they're still looking for their first win. They have to come on the road to Lambeau, a game that uh, I think favors the Packers' Probably, I mean, this is the 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 best matchup so far that the Packers have had this season, uh, being a non-conference opponent at home. Um, just initial thoughts for you guys as we come into Week Three and what the Bears, or, excuse me, the Broncos bring to the table.
0: I mean, you got to think their defense is the strong point. Um, you know, they only gave up twenty-four points to the Raiders Week One. Well, they give up that field goal at the end, so they gave up 16 points to the the Bears. But that was the main thing I was concerned about initially when we did the preview. is just that defense with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, a decent secondary there as well. Like, again, Joe Flacco, I'm not too concerned about. He threw 50 times today. Like, if Joe Flacco throws 50 times against the Packers, I I feel like they do pretty well, um, which is strange that they're relying on him a lot more than the run game. The way they were really to win games last year, so I think it's defense. I mean, we we knew these defense, all three defenses, or even four defenses when we previewed the first four games uh, with the Eagles the following week are all good teams. Like they're all really great defenses. Um, Packers have no you know no passes when it comes to defenses on their schedule this year. So, got to get out to a hot start and maintain that momentum.
2: Yeah, and then I guess kind of looking more offensive side, Flacco isn't an unfamiliar name in the league, so it's not like it's going to be a surprise really watching him out there. It might be different because he's on a different team than we've previously seen, but I mean the Packers also held their own against Delvin Cook, it seems like, like for the most part. Obviously, he had some big breaks here and there, but that kind of makes me a little less nervous against uh, Freeman and Lindsey, both great running backs, but they're splitting carries, and not really one looking better than the other. And Delvin Cook, he's going to be a huge part of that Vikings offense. So to kind of be able to hold him back a little bit doesn't make me too nervous about the run game and then receiving. They don't really have too many big names. I mean, Sanders, he's been there a while, but I mean, I don't think that we're going to have any matchup issues with that the way Alexander and even Kevin King, he had a great game against the Vikings. So kind of our defense versus their offense, I think that our defense can stop their offense.
1: Yeah. And also I, I should have led off the episode with this. Um, I usually from recording from the comfort of my own home in Detroit, I am recording live uh, from our tailgate setup after the game here in, uh, in green Bay. It's our one trip to green Bay that uh, we get to make. And it just so happened that uh, we had an episode come up for this week. And so Uh, Any I've I've tried to limit the amount of background noise, but there's a a small crowd um, listening and and stuff going over. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know. Is this like this is like our like the first live recorded podcast uh, that we've ever done. Um, But uh, I think if we look at storylines coming into this week for the Packers, kind of regardless of who the opponent was going to be in week number three, I think the storyline has to be if we can finally see an offense that sets up and actually works at full capacity for four quarters. Because we saw in the Bears game, it was basically just kind of that one drive that the Bear, that the Packers offense was able to kind of make something work. We I thought that they were clicking on all cylinders in that first quarter. And then even into that second quarter a little bit, I think after that Geronimo Allison uh, fumble, the offense seemed to kind of really stall and they just could never really figure out what they were doing after that. And so now in week number three against another tough defense in the Broncos, can this offense find a way to be successful for four quarters? I I, I think that has to be the the biggest thing. And for me, I don't know if about for you guys. It seemed like the the offense, not even just from an execution standpoint, was a little bit poor in the second half of that game. But the play calling seemed to really change and get way more conservative. Um, I would like to see in this next week a, an offense that really just opens it up and and lets it fly. Uh, you've got the weapons and the the talent to make it happen. Why not try to why not try to do it for four quarters? Um, you guys' thoughts.
0: I I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's 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 ticking in the right direction. Clearly, like it's a great one quarter, uh, better than you know versus the Bears. But um, I just think it, it's got to come together. It, it, it looked a lot better. I mean, today, w- no doubt, they are running some stuff that you had seen Matt Lafleur offenses run in the past under his regimes and that w- that was nice seeing Aaron Jones get in the mix um no Jimmy Graham sighting other than getting blown up on Daniel Hunter on an edge a few times but um yeah it's it's nice to see the run game getting involved but like Dan said kind of got conservative at some point um you would think just stick to what was working and a lot of the bubble screens are working quick, quick stuff to Devante Adams. I mean, Devante was making Xavier Rhodes. Like I couldn't believe a few times they're showing replays. I'm like, Oh, Xavier must have like passed him off in the, in the, you know, the coverage and Xavier Rhodes is in the dust a few times. It was, I, I, I know he was dealing with the injury, I think last year Um and it just seems like his, kind of just dominance has maybe fallen off a little bit, or that shows the credit to Devonta Adams. But I don't think Xavier Rhodes is who he once was, but they, they stopped attacking that. <clears throat> and you know, Harrison Smith was making plays that defensive line was getting involved and they were you're, you're causing Rogers to get out of the pocket. So I, I do look them to get into the passing game probably a little bit more, maybe the quick passing game to get Von Miller and Bradley Chubb <clears throat> kind of off their heels. So uh, I hope that happens. Um, you know, it's, Still, I, I said about halfway through the game, I was watching with my dad today, actually. He came into town, and I, just like no one was making plays outside of Devonte pretty much the whole game. Like, they really do need someone to step up into that number two spot, and I, I think it's clearly that it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but you kind of got to take it over. Like, you can't just – just because your slot is the number two, someone has to be the second playmaker on that team right now.
2: Yeah, and I think probably going into this week three – there might be a little less pressure because it's a non-divisional game. So obviously those divisional games, no matter who you're playing, they're going to be a little bit more grinding out than a normal game. You never really know what's going to happen in a a divisional game. So these were two really important games. And regardless of how they looked, they were able to grind to the end. And luckily we have a defense that we can rely on now when that defense or when the offense kind of starts to struggle because obviously they came out guns ablazing, 21 nothing, and then we never saw anything else. So I think now that there's that balance, that's going to help out a lot. But like you said, somebody else needs to step up on that offense. And from the TV that I was watching, the network, we never really got to see what was going on downfield. I think they were actually having camera issues. So I don't know, Dan, if you were at the game, were, were they being covered? Was Rodgers just Holding on to the ball too long and then letting the pocket collapse on him, kind of. What did you see in that downfield view?
1: So yeah, like it, it was really a lot of. I mean, plays were developing. It seemed like way too far down the field. It's very clear that the uh, defense for the Vikings is still that venerable one, the one that is needs to be taken seriously every single game. Uh, because the pass rush was getting there with, you know, only maybe one blitzer at a time. And you just can't – you can't have plays develop like that that are going too far down the field, you know, and expect to be successful. And I think that was really the, the big the big part of it. It's a little bit of Rodgers holding on to the ball. But, I mean, when you get to see see how that that play kind of develops down the field – like it does, and it's very slow developing, not a lot of quick hitters. Um, I, I think that's something that needs to be looked at uh, as they move forward into this next game. I, I, Janelle, I think you hit on a, a good point, too, with it being a uh, an AFC matchup this week. That's really when teams like to kind of experiment and you try maybe a couple of other different things um, and maybe open things up and see maybe what uh, what parts of the, the outer edges of your playbook work a little bit better and so yeah maybe we do see that a little bit more um this week with the offense defensively uh we just got to finish watching the the Broncos uh play the Bears I think I counted in just the time that I was watching four holding penalties in that second half and I think they ended up with about six or seven holding penalties that Broncos offensive line the bears defense obviously is one of the most elite when it comes to pass rushing. But uh, I think in these two games, the Packers have shown that their pass rush can get to the quarterback and make some noise. So that, I think that's something to watch coming up this week too, is how does that pass rush uh, do against this Broncos offensive line? And something to note too, uh, we don't know what's happening with Zadarius Smith at this point. Um, You know, it, the injury didn't look that incredibly serious when it first happened, but, I mean, that was, you know, one of the big prizes in this offseason. And so how does that affect the pass rush? Do we see more Rashawn Gary this coming week? How how does the pass rush go up against uh, the Broncos' offensive line? I think has to be one of the big key matchups coming up.
0: I mean, if you said – the Broncos had six or seven holding penalties in that game. I bet four or yeah. five of them were from Garrett Bowles, Uh rough left tackle that they had. They invested, I think a first round pick mm-hmm. in him. Was it last year? Um, I really thought like he's, he's kind of um, just gets outside of himself a little bit. Like he's had a, somewhat of a, a past in college and just like temper issues. And like, they brought him in as a first round pick. I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be pretty good. And, like, I didn't, I watched their game last week and, I think I watched a preseason game of even of them and just consistently still making mistakes like false starts, holding penalties. And that's the guy that's supposed to be, you know, protecting Joe Flacco or potentially their um, quarterback of the future. And Drew Locke, and it's just Garrett Bowles is going to, I think, going to have equally as tough of a time as he did against um, the Raiders and the um, more notably the Bears. Uh, I think, yeah, the pass rush should definitely get after Flacco, uh, Darius Smith. I'm kind of just looking here. I don't see any news right now, uh, but this is you know Sunday as we're recording at about seven o'clock Central Time, so nothing, nothing popping up yet on my radar. Uh, hopefully it was just precautionary, but it's it's you definitely get a little you know little worried. Like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and just be scrolling Twitter, hoping that there's nothing crazy. I mean, we probably won't find out till about Tuesday or Wednesday usually when they disclose injuries. Um, unless it's something, you know, catastrophic. But, yeah, you hope you hope he's healthy and hope they can get after Joe Flacco. Uh, I I think I was looking here. I don't think they had – or, no, that was the Broncos. The Broncos didn't have any sacks. Um, I didn't see if the Bears had any sacks after Flacco. But Flacco's pretty easy. I mean, he's kind of like a wounded duck back there. Like, you should be able to get after him a couple times, bring some pressure up the A-gap, and if you get someone around the edge, he's usually just going to run right up into that. So, yeah, I would hope the pressure gets to him um, this next week with that offensive line.
2: Yeah, and I think another notable injury, Raven Green went down.
0: Oh, yeah, good point. So
2: that one, and he was down for a while. I think it sounds like Smith, he was pretty hopeful walking off, but that might just be tough guy mentality. But Raven Green being down like that kind of makes you wonder, okay, well, who's going to step up and what's going to happen? Is the defense going to shift at all? What's going to go on? But I think those are two kind of – big injuries that we didn't want to see in that second half and you never want to see injuries but especially when this defense is really coming together you don't want to start losing puzzle pieces when it's all starting to form so i think
0: with yeah, yeah you can no with no. those raven green with the wave raven green injury uh scare it sounds like it's worse like i don't think that's putting to bed any of the minka fitzpatrick trade rumors that's a really at all good
1: point about minka that's... fitzpatrick I think, I think even, even, even if that injury doesn't come about, I I think that it's a fantastic move to do with this defense. But that it, 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 the, the, the price, I think, isn't outrageous. The Packers can afford it. He's a young guy on a contract. And now you can basically, you know, replace, now you're getting guys to fill out your roster. Um, you know, and what would usually just be a depth position in a guy that, you know, maybe is like a cast off from another thing. And now you've got a, a first rounder stepping into that situation. That's that's a that's a really good, really yeah. good point. Um, one thing uh, that we can talk about, uh, or at least I'd like to kind of mention um, being at the game. Thank God the Packers found a way to get Lambeau loud. Finally, this is the first game. This is the first game that I've Seriously. been to where, you know, it's not – I know it's a, it's a divisional game, which helps, but um, outside of the Seahawks game opening opening night uh, two or three years ago, um, you know, it, it's never been that loud before. And it was consistent – there were kind of some low points a little bit, but um, it, it was just – it was a really different atmosphere at Lambeau uh, this week against the Vikings, which hopefully, I think, hopefully keeps up uh, as the season goes on. And I, th- I, I think honestly, I mean, the the Vikings didn't have a a false start or any real offensive uh, miscues in that regard. But the the atmosphere that that Lambo created on on Sunday has to be you know a factor in what they were able to do to help that defense while the offense was you know struggling at times
0: so Dan like being at the game is it safe to say that there, was there were there no successful waves started during the Packers were on offense
1: yes that's true can confirm wow. zero zero waves not not e- I didn't even see one drunk guy like trying to get anybody to do the wave there was a couple there was there was definitely rumors around the the uh the, the, around where we were sitting where people were making sure that, like, nobody was going to try and start a wave. Wave uh, patrol. So, a yeah, lifeguard, if you will. Wave patrol. Exa- <laughs> a lifeguard, yeah. <laughs> the Lambeau Field lifeguard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, guys, as we kind of um, we wrap up uh, looking at week number three, uh, any final thoughts on anything you're looking at for coming up in this Broncos game or even just anything – that we saw in week number two against the Vikings.
2: Well, Dan, I kind of wanted to ask you. So obviously not only was this an important divisional game, but it was also kind of a sentimental, emotional game because of the Bart star oh. thing. So kind of with Sherry star there and then Brett Favre and all these other players who were there, Bart Starr walking her out of the tunnel with Bart star junior and, or Brett Favre. I don't know if I said that or not, but, um, there was just a lot of emotions outside of what was actually going on in this game. I know I'm watching all these social media videos and Sherry Star just looks like the sweetest lady and I'm like in my feels watching all of this and watching Rodgers walk <laughs> off the field, like pointing the one five one five up at the sky. It's just, how was this game different from past ones just because of the emotion put into it?
1: Uh, yeah, that was rough. Um, watching it live in the sta- like, I I definitely cried a little bit. Like not like not even joking. Like sat there and and cried as Cherry, uh, thanked the 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 fans, and that just was peak. Like that's peak star family. Like just always so grateful and humble about everything that has happened to them. Um, and, and honestly, what the the weird part about it was like. We had we had a fantastic first half. Everyone's emotions are riding super high as we hit halftime, and then uh, we had that that very touching, very moving ceremony right at halftime. And the way it ended, it ended, and they basically almost went right into the game as as it finished up almost. Uh, and like I, I sat there and looked at the guy next to me that I was with who also was was crying um and we're like Th- that's that's way too much to throw at me at halftime because now I got to get back into the zone here and because the, the Vikings are on offense now like now I gotta get angry and get loud again and like all I want to do is is just like go find my dad and hug him <laughs> you, would, <and> you would <laughs> it, have thought it was
0: you'd you have thought the way like the Lambeau Field PA announcer runs like they would have mixed in an ACDC or Led Zeppelin song and get it pumped up again. But I mean, that's usually their go-to, like to get the crowd going. I'm surprised they didn't do that.
2: Yeah, it just it just seemed like a different emotional because there hasn't really been anything like that at Lambeau Field, especially during a game. So I just kind of want to get your like live reaction to it because even just watching it at home, we didn't get to see on the TV everything that they were doing at halftime. So all we can see is pictures and then small clips and even that's mm-hmm. emotional. So I just kind of want to get your yeah. actual, um, like, live it, it feel. Was, it, it,
1: was, it was really cool because usually on Alumni Day, you know, they bring out, you know, all the players that ha- are back visiting. And they didn't do that this time. They just had they had all the players that played with or were coached by Bart Starr come out and sort of make like the tunnel and uh once Jerry Kramer made his way out there uh you know Bart's uh Bart Jr. and Brett Favre walk Cherry out to the to just an amazing scene and Mark Murphy came up and said some fantastic words about Bart um Roger Goodell was was there and on the field with Cherry uh Thankful. That's the one thing. I'm very thankful that uh, Roger Goodell didn't speak, because I had a fe- I had a I had a really kind of sick feeling that if Roger Goodell started talking, that people were gonna boo him, and it would have really put a damper on the uh, the ceremony and the the emotion that really came through in it. And uh, seeing Cherry on the field, you could tell how much they played the tribute video on the big screen and. You could tell how much that really hit home for her to see that, and uh, when she came over off the field and went and hugged Aaron, and he gave her a big kiss, and she just looked so she just looked so happy to be to be there and, and be around a community that she knows that uh, that Bart meant a lot too, and that uh, that they that they became a part of. So yeah, that was I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Janelle, because that was. Um, one of the coolest things to kind of to kind of see yeah and i didn't know they did any
0: of that like all i saw like even on twitter was um little you know an interaction between rogers and cherry at the end of the game and then like farve and cherry during halftime they showed a little clip like when they're coming back like they're hugging in the tunnel like i didn't know they'd i didn't know they did all that so that's yeah that's 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 awesome very cool
1: yeah a, a po- i mean a podium it, it seemed like it was i didn't get to see it live but when uh they had bart Starr come out on that thursday night game or i think it was a thursday night game against the vikings um mm-hmm. you know with, with brett and all of that and they had kind of had the thing at, at the at the field sure. uh that's what it seemed like it was kind of the same setup like a, a podium basically at the 40 yard line that they all came and, and spoke in front of and um yeah, just uh, just a really great scene. And uh, on a separate note, uh, after we we got to our seats and we sat right above where the, um, the the Packers entrance tunnel, and so you know we see Brett Favre standing right there outside of the tunnel with Cherry. We sat down and uh, and right at the first drive, this guy started walking up the aisle toward us. I, I swear to God, if you had bet me $1,000 that it was Brett Favre, I would have said it was Brett Favre because it looked exactly <laughs> like him. And I got so excited. I'm like, guys, 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 it's Brett Favre. It's Brett Favre. And they're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I'm like, no, guys, seriously. Like, this is Brett Favre walking up. The, like, he just dropped cherry off. He's walking up. And someone pointed out that the guy that was walking up was wearing a Brett Favre jersey. And uh, we thought that that would be kind of a um,
0: – That's a chameleon move.
1: kind. Of, yeah. That, that's a, yeah. <laughs> like, that's like walking around in your Jersey, your old Jersey at your old stadium in the stands is kind of a, uh, a weird, a weird flex. Um, but yeah, overall the, the ceremony fantastic and, and, uh, and all of that. Um, but Matt, Matt any, um, any final thoughts for you for, uh, as we wrap up the episode?
0: No, I just like, uh, want to see the offense keep taking better mm-hmm. next week. Um, Little, you know, a little worried about maybe just that defense. It's no slouch. You're not, you're not getting, you're not getting any passes again. Um, I do want to know if Miss Mackey's going to be terrorizing her students tomorrow with a bunch of cheese curds, though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh man, all the people that are at my school and I'm walking around on Friday because I have to wear a specific work-related shirt on Monday. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to wear Packer gear on Friday but I'll figure out a way to wear something <laughs> Packer tomorrow just to flex on the students. But, yeah, they, they just all bring have it. to. Exactly. I have bring my Packer water, gra- my pack water bottle, and they're always like, oh, why, why would you cheer for them? And I have old teachers that I used to have, like, 13 years ago. They're like, I thought we fixed this problem. So I like to walk around <laughs> and both a little bit. but
0: Just cases of great crush for the whole school.
2: Yes, that's it. I'm Bring sure they have every every student. Bring it from my desk, kind of like Rogers has at the podium.
1: Exactly. Well, uh, as we wrap up, guys, a reminder um, to please, please, please make sure uh, that you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps us out greatly. Just before that, we just before we came on, like I said, we're record. I'm recording live at our campsite, um, just off of Reggie White Way. Uh, we had about like four or five Vikings fans over here that have been kind of like partying with us and hanging out all weekend. I convinced all of them to uh, subscribe to the podcast and uh, they are leaving five-star reviews. So if Vikings fans can do it, you can definitely <laughs> do it. Uh, you should follow uh, the podcast on Twitter as well, at Packaday Podcast. Um, all three of us are on Twitter as well. I am on there at DK all the way. Guys, where can they find you?
0: Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. Uh, it's at M a T T underscore F R a underscore. Janelle, where can everyone find you on Twitter?
2: You can find me at big Mac underscore four. Mac is M a C K.
1: Perfect. So guys, uh, two and O best way to start, uh, start the season, especially against two divisional opponents. Broncos coming up this week. Make sure you follow us all week as we get ready for that game. Uh, but until next time, Lambo, stay loud, and as always, Go Pack Go.
0: Go Pack Go.
2: Go Pack Go.